Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Learn American English with this guy. Episode 44, Famous American Women, Sacagawea. If you continue to listen to this episode, you will learn all about a woman who in the early 1800s was with a group of people who examined the western part of what would later become the United States. But before we get into the actual episode, I would just like to say I hope you are all doing well. I hope you are able to stay in your house. I hope you are safe. There are very few parts of this world that aren't impacted by the coronavirus yet. And if you are lucky enough to be far away from the virus, I just worry that pretty soon it will be everywhere. But most of us will do just fine through it. I hope you guys are staying safe. This podcast has been heard in over 103 countries. So thank you guys for all your support. If you've left a review on Apple Podcasts, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. If you would like to follow along with the article that I am reading from, there is a link for that article in the description for this episode. So once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another video. Today, I'd like to talk about Sacagawea. But before we get to her, we need to back up about 20 years before she comes into the picture. And we need to talk about the American Revolution. And the American Revolution is when there were 13 colonies in North America who were ruled by England across the Atlantic Ocean. And to make a long story short, basically the colonists overthrew the king of England. Now England and France didn't get along very well. So when France heard about the colonies trying to overthrow the king, they were like, yeah, let's help. So that's what they did. <clears throat> they came over and helped. They saw an opportunity to hurt an enemy, and so they helped the colonists. And now we're talking about like the 1780s, 1780s. About 10 years later, the French citizens get the idea that they would like to overthrow their king. And so they have essentially a 10-year bloody war to get rid of the king. And I promise, we're getting to Sacagawea. But we got to talk about the American Revolution, which leads to the French Revolution, which leads to France having trouble with money. Now, they have a large block of land in North America. And they feel Napoleon, maybe you've heard of this guy. He was the leader of France at the time. And he thought that he could make some money by selling major part of North America to the United States, a very young country 
we're talking 1803, the United States has only been a country for about 15 years. So they're still struggling as well. But Napoleon wants to get money from the United States. And the president at the time is a guy named Thomas Jefferson. You may have heard of him, third president, may have seen him. He's on the $2 bill. His big thing is that he doesn't want a strong federal government. He wants the states to mostly be in power. Wants a small army, wants a small navy, let the states do their thing. But he sees this opportunity to expand the United States. And you'll see on the map, the United States started on the East Coast and basically, with a few exceptions, expand west. <clears throat> like California is an earlier state than Oklahoma, but for the most part, the United States expands west. So Jefferson sees the opportunity to increase the United States land, so he buys it. Sacagawea, I know this video is about Sacagawea. We're getting to her, like really quickly, really quickly. So <clears throat> Thomas Jefferson asks a couple people, but we're gonna talk about these two guys named Lewis and Clark. And the history books will call this the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Expedition. If you see that word, it has ped in it. And if you remember, ped means foot. So Lewis and Clark are literally going to start walking across this vast amount of land. And the goal is to find the Pacific Ocean. So think back to 1803. We don't have satellite photography. Um, you know, it's just very unknown exactly how much land the U.S. has acquired. So the, they need people to go out and survey the land, check it out, see what is there, make it ready to move colonists, or by now they're citizens of the United States, out there, <clears throat> most likely pushing away whoever is out there. Native Americans, unfortunately. So, I think we're getting there. Sacagawea. Lewis and Clark are going to hire this guy. Uh, his name's Carboneau, or Carboneau in French. And his wife is a Shoshone Indian. And she is going to be extremely valuable for that expedition. See, I told you, we would eventually get to Sacagawea. We just had to talk about a few key events that led up to her becoming a very famous and very important American. So I am going to read from an article that can be found on Newzella. The link is in the description, but you can also just follow along because I'll put the article on the screen as I read it. But this article starts off with a synopsis synopsis. If you're unfamiliar with that word, a synopsis means a quick picture of what the article is going to be about. Really briefly. That doesn't mean you don't have to read the whole article. It's just previewing some of the important material in the synopsis. So I'll begin with that. 
So the title of this article is Cultural Pioneers, Sacagawea. Synopsis, Sacagawea, the daughter of a Shoshone chief, was born around 1788 in Leamy County, Idaho. At around age 12, she was captured by an enemy tribe and sold to a French-Canadian trapper who made her his wife. And if you're wondering what trapper is, it's a profession that was popular back then. People would trap animals and then, a little gross, but skin them and then sell the fur for warm coats and boots and those type of things. In November 1804, she was invited to join the Lewis and Clark expedition as a Shoshone interpreter. And if you're not familiar with what interpreter is, it's a person that goes from language to language. So she knew English, but she also knew the language of the Shoshone, which might be helpful when you know white men are moving into territory that is not owned by white men. So she might be um, a nice way to show that these guys come in peace. And if there ever is a disagreement, she might be able to make the disagreement go away. After leaving the expedition, she died at Fort Manuel in what is now Kennel, South Dakota, around 1812. So of course, we get an idea of the article, but we still need to read it because all of those details weren't there. It was just a brief synopsis about what we are going to read. So now I want to get into her early life. The daughter of a Shoshone chief, Sacagawea, was a Shoshone interpreter, best known for serving as a member of the Lewis and Clark expedition into the American West. She is also famous for being the only woman on the journey. Much of Sacagawea's life is a mystery. She was born around 1788, although some sources say 1786 or 1787 in Leamy County, Idaho. And the reason not a lot is known about her early life is because when she was born as a baby, nobody knew that she would be this famous pioneer of the American West. So that's why the dates of her birth are a little unclear. Around the age of 12, Sacagawea was captured by the Hadatse Indians, an enemy of the Shoshones. The Hadatsis then sold her to a French-Canadian trapper named Toussaint Chabinot, who made her one of his wives. Right, did you notice that last part? Made her one of his wives, meaning he possibly had more than one. So we know she was captured at age 12. We just don't know the amount of time that has gone by till she was made this guy's wife. But some sources say potentially as young as 16 or 15. Sacagawea and her husband lived among the Hadatsi and Mandan Indians in the upper Missouri River area, which is now North Dakota. In November 1804, an expedition led by Meriwether Lewis and William Clark entered the area. Often called the Corps, yes, I know that's not how it looks, but I promise that P is silent. Often called the Corps of Discovery, 
the group wanted to explore the western lands of the United States to find a route to the Pacific Ocean. The group built Fort Mandan and decided to stay there for the winter. Lewis and Clark met Chabineau and quickly hired him to serve as interpreter on their expedition. Although she was pregnant with her first child, they asked Sacagawea to accompany them on their mission. Lewis and Clark believed that her knowledge of the Shoshone language would help them later in the journey. All right, so that's about as far as I want to go today. We did a brief introduction of the history that led up to Sacagawea eventually becoming famous, talked a little bit about her early life and how she got into the expedition itself. Tomorrow, I'd like to talk about the expedition and then the legacy she left on the United States. Remember, don't forget to subscribe, ring that bell, leave a comment if anything was unclear, and I will get right back to you. Thanks for watching. See you next time. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome back to another video. Today, we are going to talk about part two of Sacagawea's life. If you haven't yet seen part one, I'll put up a little link. You can click on that video and that will take you to part one of Sacagawea's life. So we're gonna pick up right with the second part of the article, right where I left off on, you might be hearing some bouncing around with my family up there, but um, with the second part, right where I left off in the article. But before we get to that, I would like to cover a couple potentially difficult vocabulary words. And the first one we're going to come to is edible. Edible, simply meaning able to be eaten. Able to be eaten. So of course, you can imagine Sacagawea, she doesn't have uh, any supermarkets nearby. She's gonna have to forage or look for or find vegetables, people will be hunting, but it will be helpful if she knows which berries she can eat, which berries are edible and which are inedible. So if you have that word edible, but then you put an I-N on the front of it, make it inedible, that's the opposite. It means you're not able to eat it. You might die. But I think you could also call like a, a car inedible. Like, you really can't eat it. But also, mushrooms. Certain mushrooms are poisonous, and you could also call those inedible. The next potentially difficult vocabulary word, maybe you haven't seen this word, could give you trouble, is capsized. Capsized. Normally, this is talked about with boats. And it is a fancy way to say sink. The boat capsized. The boat sunk. Cargo might also be difficult. Again, this is mostly with boats. I suppose you could say it with trucks and vehicles, but there are actually things called cargo ships. And cargo 
is product. It's useful things usually carried from one place to the other, usually transported from one place to the other. So during this coronavirus quarantine where most of us are inside our houses, hopefully, and trying to stay safe and keep other people safe, it is important though that cargo keeps moving. So people need food, hospitals are going to need masks and ventilators. It's important that that cargo keeps moving across the uh, country, maybe the world, to places where it is needed most, cargo. The next one can be a little tricky, and that is suspicious, suspicious. This is when um, you are a little unsure of the situation. In fact, you think something might go wrong. You could be suspicious. Suspicious is gonna be used when the Lewis and Clark expedition is going to be encountering or meeting um, tribes in the area they are exploring. So many of those tribes could look at these white men as being suspicious. Like, why are they here? They look at them with suspicion. Suspicion, that's the noun form, suspicion. So to use suspicion as a noun, you could say they looked at them with suspicion. Suspicion is a noun. But if you want to use it as an adjective, which describes a noun, you could say the men were suspicious as Lewis and Clark approached. So now suspicious is describing the men which, are an, which is a noun, men is a noun. So we have nouns, people, places, and things. We have adjectives, which describe people, places, and things. And now we have adverbs, which describe adjectives. And adverbs can also describe verbs. So they can be used a number of different ways. And if you take suspicious or suspicion and make it an adverb, you would say suspiciously. So the men looked at Lewis and Clark suspiciously. Now you have an adverb. It depends on what it is describing. And that sentence I just said, and I'll put it right above my head, suspiciously is describing the way the men looked. Looked is a verb. So I will do that every so often in these videos, talk a little grammar, parts of speech, definitely isn't my favorite thing to talk about, but when you encounter a word that might be a noun, it's helpful if you can also recognize it as an adverb or an adjective because sometimes the form really changes, like suspicious, suspicion, suspiciously. All the basic like same word, just depending on how you use it, you might have to change it. And speaking of words being changed depending on how you use them, the last word in this article I would like to discuss before we read it is miraculous. Miraculous. And it actually comes from the noun miracle. They're both really related. So if something is a miracle, it's a noun. But if it is being described like an event is happening, the noun, and it's being described as something like a miracle, we would say miraculous. Makes it very difficult. Both 
pretty much the same word, but because of the way it is used, the ending is really changed. And the great thing about this video, if it was unclear, then, and hopefully I explained it the right way, I think I did, if it was unclear the first time, you can always rewatch it. Take a look at it again. Take a look at it two, three times. You got plenty of time on your hands, right? It's not like you have to go anywhere. If you are unclear about adjectives, adverbs, and nouns, watch the video again. It's a tricky subject. Don't feel bad if you don't get it the first time. I'll make more with more examples, and hopefully by the end of this um, long quarantine, you'll be like, hi, I know how to use nouns, adjectives, adverbs. It will really help with your writing too. So I am going to start reading in the middle section, which is called Lewis and Clark Expedition. Anytime you see an article, hopefully you're looking at those subheadings. So you have the title, which is, I can't remember what it's called, but something about Sacagawea. I mean, I got it right here. I guess I could look at it. It's Cultural Pioneer Sacagawea. That's the title of the article. But if you look at some of these subheadings, the first one is called Early Life. The next one here is called Lewis and Clark Expedition. The one after that is Her Life After the Expedition. So we already read the synopsis. You get a pretty good idea of what the article is about. Pay attention to those subheadings too because they're like the main idea. It's what holds that section together. So don't skip reading those. They're actually in like dark black so that you'll see them really well. So read that and then you get another idea of, okay, this part is gonna be about the expedition. The next part is gonna be about her life after the expedition. Lewis and Clark Expedition. In February, 1805, Sacagawea gave birth to a son named Jean-Baptiste Cabinot. And if you are watching this and you speak French, I probably messed that up. I'm sorry, but that's the best I can do. Jean-Baptiste Cabinot. Despite traveling with a newborn baby, Sacagawea proved to be helpful in many ways. She was skilled at finding edible plants. When a boat on which she was riding capsized, she was able to save some of its cargo, including important documents and supplies. She also served as a symbol of peace. A group traveling with a woman and a child with treated with less suspicion than a group of men alone. Sacagawea also made a miraculous discovery of her own during the trip west. When the explorers encountered a group of Shoshone Indians, she soon realized that its leader was actually her brother, Kamehawait. It was through her that the expedition was able to buy horses from the Shoshone to cross the Rocky Mountains. Despite this joyous family reunion, Sacagawea remained with the explorers for the trip west. So this is one of those difficult things about history is that we don't know exactly what she was thinking. We know what she did. She met her brother and then continued on with the expedition, but we don't know if that was what she wanted to do or if she was forced to do it some of my students uh, wrote about parts of Sacagawea's life. Some said that it seemed as if she was a slave, the way that she was captured and kind of forced, if not actually forced, to marry this random man, as one of my students said. 
but who knows exactly what she was thinking. We're going to read later on and find out that she actually did have a lot of respect from the group because of um, a situation that happened. We can know with some certainty that they did really respect Sacagawea as a person, and we'll get to that in a minute. After reaching the Pacific Ocean in November 1805, Sacagawea was allowed to vote along with the other members of the expedition on where they would build a fort to stay for the winter. They built Fort Clatsop near present-day Astoria, Oregon, and remained there until March of the following year. Sacagawea, her husband, and her son remained with the group on the return trip east until they reached the Mandan villages. During the journey, Clark had become fond of her son, Jean-Baptiste, nicknaming him Pomp or Pompey. Clark even offered to help him get an education. So the fact that she was allowed to vote in 1805 with the group does show us that they did have a lot of trust in her, that the group really respected her opinion. Think back to 1805. Women weren't even allowed to vote in elections. 1805. It wouldn't be until 1920 when women were allowed to vote nationwide. So she must have really impressed the people in the expedition. We also found out that Clark of Lewis and Clark, one of the two main people leading this expedition, really became fond of her child. And we'll see that exactly how fond they become in this third part. Her life after the expedition. Once Sacagawea left the expedition, few details of her life are known. In 1809, it is believed that she and her husband, or just her husband, according to some accounts, traveled with their son to St. Louis, Missouri, to see Clark. Pomp was left in Clark's care. Sacagawea gave birth to her second child, a daughter named Lisette, three years later. Only a few months after her daughter's arrival, Sacagawea died at Fort Manuel in what is now Kennel, South Dakota, around 1820. After Sacagawea's death, Clark looked after her two children and ultimately took custody of them both. So as the article says, there is a lot that is unknown about her life, her husband's life after the expedition. We do know that her two children would eventually live with Clark. He would raise them. Some people say that maybe she didn't die in 1812. There is a little bit of evidence showing that she lived past 1812, but most of the evidence points to her dying. One huge fact is that she gave up her children. A lot of people argue if she was alive, she would still have her children. And the husband, we're not sure, maybe he was sick. Um, the article doesn't say it, but it is said that Sacagawea died of a really high fever, which was not uncommon in 1812. Of course, medicine wasn't as great as we have it today, or at least until we had the coronavirus. Um, so it just shows you how much uh, our medicine is lacking for some things. But fever did kill many people before the invention of some very important medicines used today. Last little paragraph here. Over the years, tributes to Sacagawea and her contribution 
to the core of discovery have come in many forms. There are places named after her and statues made in her image. She was even featured on a dollar coin issued in 2000 by the U.S. Mint. In that last little bit there, U.S. Mint, if you're not familiar with the verb mint, it can actually be a verb. I know it can be something that you eat that kind of freshens your breath, a mint, that's the noun. But if you use it as a verb, to mint something actually means to make money. So the U.S. Mint makes money. So that's going to just about do it for today. I hope you learned a little something. I hope it wasn't too overwhelming. I hope that if you have any questions, you'll leave a comment in the comment section. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you next time.